Welcome to Her Clarity, Her Success, a podcast dedicated to sharing the stories of high-performing women and the strategies that inspire and empower women to step out boldly in their brilliance. I'm your host, Victoria Baylor, and I'm a mindset and clarity coach who's passionate about helping entrepreneurial and professional women gain clarity and a strong mindset to increase their worth and net worth. Please be sure to share and hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on any episodes. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hi, everyone. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening. It depends on where you're at. Um, I'm Victoria Baylor, and I am excited to welcome you to Her Clarity, Her Success, a podcast obviously focused on helping women really get clear on what empowers them to a path of success. And I am super excited. Oh my gosh, super excited to have my lovely guests in my Zoom studio. We're here with the lovely Amy Shippey, Amy, we're so happy to have you here today. Welcome. You know, you are my favorite ending to a great week. So I am so happy to be here as well. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you. I'll take that as a compliment, especially coming from you. Um, so today we're going to have an amazing, I don't want to kind of like foreshadow the event, but today's <laughs> podcast, if you were sitting at home, just kick your shoes off, please grab a notepad and pen because you're going to wish you had of. And we're just going to really tap into the mind of Amy's today and really glean a lot of her business knowledge that she has to offer. Um, I'm going to let Amy introduce herself, but she is definitely not one that's new to the business world. She is quite accomplished. So Amy, please take it away. Please tell the people who you are and what you do. Well, well, my name's Amy, as she said, and I am a serial entrepreneur. I think I opened my first business at 21. If you don't count the lemonade stand I had at 13. And um, <laughs> over the over the course of the last um, 25 plus years, I have um, built businesses to great success. I've lost businesses and rebuilt again. And currently I own three companies that um, kind of do the food and food side of things and the gift side of things that are primarily kind of um, wholesale oriented. And my design company is now, you know, praise heavens, um, in 500 stores worldwide. So that's been my, that's been a huge accomplishment um, that we've been able to do this year in COVID. So very thankful for that. So Yes, business is my passion. Um, women in business especially are my passion, getting them kind of sometimes out of their own way to, to really, you know, shine the way they were really designed to shine. I love it. Okay. You can't drop a statistic like five, we're in 500 stores and not give a shout out for names. I know these, these ladies and gentlemen are going to want to know where can they find your stuff? Give us names of your companies. So um, my, uh, my bakery, I have a bakery called um, Marcheta Macarons. I make French macarons and I sell the, I sell the bake other bakeries um, kind of on the Southeast, um, only wholesale. I have a um, company called Blue Poppy Designs. I do wholesale and retail. So I'm in every, every state. Don't tell me where in all the, I can't tell you where in all the states, but we now hit all the states because we picked up a shop wow. in Hawaii two weeks ago, which I was really thrilled with. Um, but bluepoppydesigns.com is me. And then um, six months ago, I launched a company called Lottie Bells, 
Um, and we do candied pecans and tea blends and the dip blends come out next week or so. And that is also on my website, LottieBells.com. And in the six months we've launched that, we're now in 40 stores. So really excited about, about that. But yeah, you can, you can come directly to me and um, get, get some products. They're yummy and they're pretty. So, I mean, who, who, who doesn't love that, right? No, it's the best combination. And cereal is definitely the word. That's, oh my gosh, you you definitely embody that. And I will say this, I am hooked on your macarons. I, am I saying that right? I want to say macarons. Okay. I am hooked on those, have been for the last few years, ever since you opened your shop. And um, my gosh, your artwork is amazing from Blue Poppy Designs. Like I love the way your oysters and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, I have like a ton of questions, but before we get into picking you apart and picking that brilliant brain of yours, if you don't mind, of course, and thank you for your graciousness to share. I want to kind of like even it out a little bit, do a little bit of an icebreaker so that our guests will get to know you a little bit more. And I think of a unique, I like to think of a unique question to ask people, uh, just something that kind of feels like it resonates. And for you, I don't know, one thing I'd be curious about is what is like your favorite, it's going to sound like a silly question, but what's your, what's your idea of a, like the most amazing meal to have? What does Amy prefer to eat? Oh, Nasty, I love food. And I come from a long line of chefs. My brother's a James Beard nominated chef. And um, oh, my wow. whole family story is about food. So I honestly probably do not have a favorite food, but um, some of my favorite okay. dining experiences, and I've had some really amazing ones because I really do seek out tremendous food, is really when a oh, wow. chef um, prepares a meal for me based on their heart. And so I love a blind tasting where they're just going to bring me out plates of food based on what they're feeling, based on the ingredients that they're able to come up with. Because there's really only like five things I don't eat. So outside of that, I eat everything. So there's like only five. And um, so, um, but no, you name it. I mean, I do love, love, love food, love food. And, um, and so my favorite food is a new place to try usually. So um, I'm real adventurous. So I love to try a new place, a new chef out, a new, a new item on a menu. Um, so, but Mexican, I guess would be my favorite. I mean, it's my go-to, like if I have no plans, we're eating Mexican. Okay. That's <laughs> always have, good to have your default food. Um, you know, it's funny. I ask questions intuitively because I, I wanted to ask the first one to actually get to the second, which pairs perfectly with your experience. What is the most exotic thing you've ever eaten? Uh, like exotic. way out the box for you. Oh, I don't. Oh, I, I, I just eat about I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I guess people think that all the kind of odd things I eat would be exotic. I mean, I don't, I mean, I've eaten like game. So like caribou and ostrich and I mean, buffalo. I don't know if those are exotic, but I mean, those are things. Um, well, what shocked you? Something you ate that you like, you either ate it and expect, didn't expect to have that experience or was pleasantly surprised by it. I don't well, I'll tell you my best meal lately. How about that? So we went uh, to works. a restaurant in Charleston recently um, where my, my son is working. And um, uh -huh. sorry. And um, when we were up there, we decided to order off all the things on the menu. We would all share it because if my husband and I were there, he okay. would have probably gotten the swordfish and I would have probably gotten the steak and we would have been pretty happy. But 
on this menu was this pork chop. And I don't really kind of like think about food over and over again, but I must have dreamed about that pork chop um, for like <laughs> two weeks after having it. And so wow. I went up, we went up last week and I had the pork chop again, because they, but they had a different kind of fall presentation of it. And I'm like, I have dreamed about this pork chop, but which isn't really all that exotic, but, um, but no, I mean, I've had things like, you know, any kind of interesting seafood. I mean, we've been on a thing and they actually caught the, the fish right there and filleted it right there. And we ate it raw right there on the boat. Um, well, that's fresh. <laughs> I mean, that's as fresh as it gets right there. <laughs> um, so I don't, I don't, I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't seem all that exotic for me, but I guess that for some people that would seem, but yeah, I mean, we were on a, we were on a day boat and um, we caught the fish and they, they swiped the flight up the fish and we had sashimi right there on the side of the boat I mean so that was pretty delicious oh my gosh yeah that is that's a, I have marine biology background so I'm like look we used to pull it out the trawl net and then like get to work on it so no that's that's good stuff um that was good. yeah that was some pork chop now you're probably having me thinking about pork chops it um, was such a good pork <laughs> chop and I don't really normally at restaurants weirdly enough order like the pork chop but I mean I've thought about this pork chop but the neat thing about the pork chop at this restaurant is um, they have a whole story. They they buy this pork chop from like a fifth generation pork farmer outside of Charleston, and and so I ended up reading a story on the farm and on this farm where they you know purvey their pork from. And um, my brother's really big on that whole um, where do you get your food from and the stories that those farmers have to tell. And so that's probably just something that I really really enjoy is being able to connect food back to the people who put you know their heart into what they do and so I mean I mean so food to me is just a huge story I don't know how I mean I'll eat basically anything outside of like olives um but but the story behind food is really kind of I guess what we talk about in our family because we have food that that bring back memories over and over and over again and they're part of our story the, the thread of our family for generations and I can I mean I can just go back to memories and they're all kind of around food. I love that. And that's, you're right. And it's something about when you attach a story to a thing, it just empowers that thing so much more. And, you know, using that and kind of like sliding in to talk about you today, um, let's do a fast forward. You know, I always hate to ask that question. It's a little bit more, but uh, maybe sometimes people ask like, you know, when you're, you pass on and if you had to have something on your tombstone, what do you want to be known for? What kind of impact do you want to leave on this world? And I think in this case, you're such a force of nature and everything that you do. I'm curious, what is your perspective on what, what is that thing that you want to leave that's part of your legacy? What's that message that you want to pass? It's a, it's a huge joke, actually, because we all know what they're putting on my tombstone if I wanted one that's going to go, it's called, it's, it's, um, go big or go home. Oh. And <laughs> I love it. That was my motto. And I, we, we've joked for years that if I ever die and had a tombstone, they would, they're going to stick, go big or go home on it. So that's kind of how I kind of approach, you know, pretty much anything. I'm a big picture person. Um, I was telling a lady the other day, I said, I hire out the details because I, I, I can, I'm a big picture person and I obviously details are important. Um, but I hire out, I hire out the detail person so that I can do and, and plug into where my biggest gifts are and, and they are big and so I do lots of cliff jumping and you know figuring it out on the way home way down and and that's kind of what it's a go big go home is what they're going to put on my tombstone if I have one I love that and I love that you own it 
for one. And um, I think that's, that's, first of all, that's the best part about it. And to be able, I think our lives and the messages that we leave behind, they definitely echo even when we're gone. And to have the type of life where people can actually look back at your transcript and actually see that you've epitomized that, that is very, very inspiring. So that takes me, wants to take me in the total opposite direction now to little, to little Amy. Did little Amy have that same sense of, I might be little, but there's something big that I'm going after. Like, where did this start for you? This big, go big or go home. You know, I don't know. We were talking about this last night as a story. So I grew up on Hilton Head Island, South Carolina. Um, and my, my parents divorced when I was really about three. And so I was, my mom and my brother and I were kind of the family unit. And in the afternoons after, after my mom would get us from work, we would, we lived right next to the beach. So we would walk down to the beach and my mom would joke that her and my brother would be either walking up at the sand dunes or walking down at the water. And I would be, I'm five or so, but I would be away. And I mean, you could see me, she said, but I would walk up to every person laying on a beach towel and then welcome them to Hilton Head, ask where they were from. I knew all the lifeguards and she's like, you're five years old and you were like the personal welcoming committee of Hilton Head. And everybody on the beach would know who you were as we were, and my brother would stick kind of close to her and she goes, and you're out there just telling and asking everybody, um, you know, what they're up to, I guess. And so, I mean, that part of my personality has probably been there for forever. Um, but, you know, parts of, you know, growing up, I mean, I wasn't probably the best student. So school was, I didn't fit into a box real well in school. And, and this was in the 80s. So, I mean, 70s and 80s. And, you know, there was really very kind of tight box. It's really different in education now. But, um, and so school wasn't, I wasn't super successful in school. Um, and so therefore, I spent a lot of time hearing from people that I didn't live up to my potential. And that was really the narrative of those years. And so I suffered a lot with not understanding what my potential was and how did I really define not living up to that. Um, and really, because everything was kind of measured across a litmus test of I had all this, this intelligence and all this ability, but it wasn't translating in the same way that they were looking for, that there was this real disconnect um, for a long time for me that I didn't really understand what that meant to not be, you know, how do you not live up to your potential? How, and how do you define not living up to your potential as somebody who, you know, needs to identify with all the positiveness they have to offer, but the message really in the end is rather negative. Um, and that was something that took a long time to kind of come more into my, into my skin, more into um, my ability to overcome um, that, because eventually I had to kind of be willing to go, what, well, you're not, you're, what you define as my potential doesn't have to be what I define as my potential. And once I was able to kind of do that, um, and then got some success under my belt, and rather young, I was really rather fortunate, but people were able, I was, pretty young, um, 21, when I was able to kind to kind of pick into skills that I had and people, and I could kind of promote those. And so people started seeing something that was fit, like I lived up to my potential. And then I was able to really, in my early twenties, um, make an adjustment that said, I'm not going to be defined by somebody else. What somebody else defines as my potential, just because in this area, I wasn't super, super successful. 
You know, and that's a really, I mean, you make a very valid point. That's a very lonely place to be in, especially when you add to that youth where you don't have a lot of context for living. And then especially when it comes from older people and then you want to kind of have the sense of, okay, they're an authority figure. Maybe they know better. It can really it kind of create a cyclone of self-doubt. And I think it's really neat that, I guess for you, my question would be, do you feel like because you have this big flame of go big or go home, do you feel like for you that flame just, it didn't extinguish, but it kind of was like a little bit of a flicker. And then what did you do to actually stoke that back up? And it sounds like that next, your business was what really did that. You know, I I mean, I really feel across the line, I've I've been a pretty blessed individual. I mean, I, I was able to kind of stand out for whatever attributes I brought to the table. But I mean, I was able, I mean, I was somebody who was kind of noticed just along the way, maybe for not, not always necessarily, you know, my intellect, but I could talk to anybody. So I was good conversationally. I wasn't really super shy. Um, but really, I guess when I, I started working at Circuit City when I was in college and this is, I mean, you have to, this really does date me because I'm really that old. Oh, I remember um, Circuit City too. I used to go in there. <laughs> the racetrack but I I sold computers at Circuit City because I had been a I'm, I'm a total computer geek I love I, really at the back I really was able to make my mark in the computer side of things in the late 80s when they were first coming out I could write pro I could do programming and spreadsheets made sense to me as so I was really for the first time in high school was able to shine because I the computers clicked um, and so all of a sudden I was getting awards where I'd never gotten awards, but I was getting awards in computers. And um, so I sold computers. And, and again, this is like when Windows 95 came out. Ooh, that, was, and that, was, that was a minute ago. And the CD-ROM was, and we were so excited when the four times CD-ROM came out because that was like, we, we had a test anyway. Um, but this is before Geek Squad happened. So Best Buy has a Geek Squad and this is prior to that. And I saw, I saw a need when I would sell the computers that people would need somebody to come and set them up and, you know, hook them up to their AOL, you know, internet dial-up service. So they could, because internet was new and no one really had an email address back then. Now we couldn't live without it. But back then you have to understand that no one really had that. Mm-hmm. And so I started kind of a little business then at, um, from Circuit City and I would, people would hire me to come after work or on the weekends to set up their computers. And I was making more money doing that than I was at Circuit, C- at Circuit City. And, but I met my husband there. Um, he was selling car stereos. And, and so I started this little computer training company and I would go and while I was in college and go set up computers. And, and again, I was in a space that I was really good at. And I had, a, I had a, a bucket of knowledge that everybody around me did not have. And so while they might've had a bucket of knowledge that I didn't have, I had a bucket of knowledge that they didn't have and I was able to monetize that and I was able to build confidence because I was their expert and you know I hadn't been that for a lot for but that really kind of got me going and saying you know what these are and I had success at it and um, you know I do believe in the momentum of success I believe success begets success and you ride that wave of momentum um, even in every business that I start and so that was kind of the beginning of um, of going. You know what? I mean, you can. Adulthood was really different than than school ages, where you had to kind of be this jack of all trades. I was able to kind of focus on something I did well, and and really was able to you know gleam a lot of confidence and a lot of um, self awareness out of it. So that was kind of the start of 
of it. And um, I was I was a little business owner. I mean, you said something really important. So I want to back up. Actually, that whole glob was really, really important. <laughs> but, <laughs> but essentially, you know, confidence is not a mystery. You know, as a mindset and clarity coach, I part of what I do is really about helping galvanize women and men um, in the area of confidence. But if you look up the definition, anyone, Merriam-Webster defines confidence as one's self-assuredness of their own unique qualities and abilities. And I love what you were talking about in relaying your story. You know, we all kind of go through this place of murkiness where it's not very aware to us what those unique qualities and abilities are. And what's even crazy is when it's aware, other people are more aware, but it's when you become self-assured. And I love that you're like, okay, I have this and other people don't have that. And what, I mean, so personal advice that you would give to another woman that feels really stuck right now, she's looking around, everything's murky. She doesn't really see what makes her distinct. How would you tell her to just kind of keep going until she kind of gets there so she can find her confidence? What would be your advice in that situation? So, you know, treading water can only last for so long. So you have got to be moving in a forward direction. The, I mean, I can tread water for a really like a super long time. I mean, I love to swim and I can, but eventually I'm going to drown not going anywhere, no matter how good I am at treading water. And so the whole point of everything is to keep moving forward. When you're moving in a direction, and I believe in forward direction, um, and you become aware, not always of yourself, but you become aware of opportunities. So you open yourself up to opportunities to present themselves. You know, a lot of times confidence has been gleaned at me because of an opportunity that has come to me. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm going to step out on faith on this and see where this opportunity leads. And when I find success in that opportunity, I'm like, ooh, that really worked. Hence, like the opportunity of starting my own little computer setup business because there was a need and there was an opportunity. And because of that, I got, I started to see some success. Well, that success builds confidence. And so, I would say to any woman that is struggling with getting kind of out of the pit, set a goal and it, and it could be a two inch goal, but when you create, when you level up the two inches, you've got success and you can build on that. So don't set yourself a goal that is 20 feet high, that all you're going to do is stare up at it going, I cannot accomplish this. Set up a goal that's two inches high and then achieve it. And when you achieve that goal, something magical happens in your heart and in your mind. And and I I actually believe it's chemical. Um, As a salesperson, I kind of feel like it is. Um, You can now do the the next three inch goal is going to be easier than the two inch goal. And eventually each goal is going to lead to 20 feet. But you're going to do it one step at a time. um, Because you know what? You may have to go two inches to the left on the next goal where you thought you were going two inches to the right. But it's not that large of a leap. You just make a small pivot and you keep going up the trajectory. Each goal you set, make it achievable. Um, Make it easy, low hanging fruit achievable because when you achieve it, it gives you enough momentum to do it again. That's really excellent advice because I think sometimes women get, I love ambition. I think it's amazing, but I think it's, you can handicap yourself if you're not, if you're not being realistic about where you're at with your confidence and you can create something that's too overarching and just end up crippling yourself. So I love that, you know, keep from what I'm hearing from you is, you know, of course, keep that openness and awareness for opportunities that arise up because they're out there. Um, I like to, the whole notion of fail fast, fail quick, fail often 
the F word was never a word I use as a personal perfectionist, but since I'm recovered, um, <laughs> what I'm open to now, but sometimes it's just getting in there, trying it out. Cause you just never know. You're absolutely right. So, and speaking and of that, not the worst thing to ever happen, you know, women, people in general, but women specifically and parents do this to their children. We're like, failure is the worst thing to ever happen. I'm like, no, no, my two year, my, yeah. Second grader failing that test is not the worst thing to ever happen. How we go, how we start studying better so we don't fail the next test is a much better e and an easier thing to learn at, at seven than it is at 27. So yes, fail, be willing to fail. Failure does not mean you're being thrown off the Empire State Building. Failure just means that you've got to make a pivot. And, mm -hmm. you know, if anything in the last 18 months has shown us, I mean, is that we have to be adaptable. Mm -hmm. um yeah so now failure I mean failure and and all the successes I had I could spend as much time talking to you about all the failures I've had um there's lots and um and and I learn more in the failures than I've ever learned in the successes um and 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 so be learning I I love to learn I learn every day I learn every year I pick something new every year to learn just that I never thought I would learn um because and I'm not good at all but that's okay fail. Be willing to fail. I mean, that's, no, and that's excellent advice. And I think for you, it, you remind me of the frog on the lily pad that has no problem with like hopping, 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 but actually gets somewhere <laughs> instead of the frog sitting there waiting for a log to come by and something to drag it along. Um, and I think that's really cool. Now that pivoting and being willing to jump, is that really the primary reason behind your different type of businesses? Or are you curious or did you already have a notion of, I need to do these types of businesses? Or did you just happen upon them? I wish I could tell you, Victoria, that my life is that organized. So it's not. Um, <laughs> you take me on vacation for two weeks, I'll develop 10 businesses. It's kind of my favorite thing to do. I buy domain names like people buy shoes and I mean, just kind of collect them. So now I wish I could tell you that it was all that, um, but I'll give you, I'll give you the leak for the last two. So okay. um, Blue Poppy Designs was built out of an idea to um, be able to help pay for my kids to go to college. So we had had this huge success. We had bought these different properties back in our success days in each of the homes were rental homes. And we, the plan was to sell each one as the kids graduated um, and pay for college that way. And um, when we lost our business um, 12 years ago, or I guess it was 11 years ago, something like that, um, all of that went away. And so college savings- and, and not to interrupt, but just for the sake of the, the listeners, uh, loss of business, that was your um, furniture business. And that was like your first business where you hit millionaire status with your hubby and your yes. twins. Okay, which was a remarkable feat, by the way. <laughs> like pretty um, remarkable. Um, it is. But and so and all the great success that it has, and, and, and we had done all this different things. Um, when the recession came, we held on for a few years and then we just were over leveraged and we ended up losing our business in 2012. And so talk about reinventing. I'd done that since I was 25 and now I'm 39. And I, you know, now I have three kids and I didn't have kids when we started it. And so um, we had to kind of, so really I had, we had no plan for them to go to college and we didn't really want them to have a lot of debt. And so I had this idea and what I do for Blue Poppy is now is not at all. And that would be a whole nother story, but it's, not, it's nothing close to what I had originally thought I would do with Blue Poppy because that first concept failed. Um, and I pivoted and I made an adjustment, but, um, but yeah, that was the whole reason for it was to be able to go and 
sell products so that I could, you know, give us the extra income we needed because um, we lived off the income that we both made and then we needed extra. And so I was going to start another business that was going to give us extra. And that was really kind of how it was born. Um, and then, of course, in the pandemic, um, all the ways that I made that money went away because I did I did um, craft shows and that all closed during the pandemic. And right. um, and in April of 2020, we got our first wholesale account. And so when I tell you I'm at 500 wholesale accounts, April 2020, I was at one. That's crazy. Um, oh my gosh. It's kind of crazy. So, um, but that kind of started creating its own basic vortex and it's been tremendous. But what I saw is, is as I was looking for another um, avenue of income, I had seen that I was in all these gift shops and I'm like, oh, maybe I do food, maybe some kind of cute food that would be shelf stable and cute. And would be a nice added gift item into a you know a little gift that somebody was giving. Why don't I create something like that? And then I'll just follow this the the success path that Blue Poppy has had in wholesale. And we will we've already got some target audience. We'll just mail them to the customers we're already selling, and we will kind of follow a path that's already showing success. So I didn't have to reinvent anything. I just had to create some new product. And mm-hmm. so that's how Lottie Bells came about. And I honestly don't think there's even a, a bar napkin that has that business plan on it. I have lots of bar napkins that have stuff <laughs> on them. Because um, I'm not even but who's anybody who's ever written out like a formal business plan. But um, but you're breaking yeah. all the rules here, lady. I break listen them all. I don't, I I mean, mean, don't listen, so don't listen to me. I'm all <laughs> of it. But, no, but I, I say that, excuse me for interrupting, but I say that because to me, there's that big, go big, go home, but there's also act now. I feel like yeah. if you have a back tattoo, it's like, let's get it going. And so many times, I don't have to tell you that women stall and stop and this, that, and that. Why do you never fall into that trap? What is your advice centered around that? Okay. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to be vulnerable here and tell you sometimes I do. Okay. So, I mean, sometimes I have, I will, I, I bite off more than I can chew. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I find myself overwhelmed. Sometimes the idea that I had was, isn't working the way I thought it would work. Sometimes it's just too much. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I know that many women find themselves in that place. Yes. And the bigger question is how do you get out of that place? Because if you get stuck in that place, you're going to drown. That's just how that works. You can't go anywhere going nowhere. So, um, and this is really where it comes into, and this is, I mean, I guess the, the biggest secret or gift or whatever you want to call it is I've been very fortunate to surround myself with, I would call it a curated collection of women mm-hmm. who I can be me, which means I can be me when I'm big, but I can be me when I'm doubting myself. Cause I doubt, um, I'm not on all the time. I mean, there are times that I'm not, oh. there's sometimes I drive around Savannah and I cry for like 45 minutes. I mean, until I can get it out and move on. And I just, I just drive and cry. Um, oh. because you're so relatable. We're all <laughs> the I'm just so overwhelmed. Right? <laughs> the kids aren't doing what they need to be doing. I'm not, I'm not working out as a wife all that well that week. I mean, whatever's going on. Um, but I've got this curated group of women um, of varying ages, younger and older than me and similar of age. And, and in those moments of just feeling not me, I call them. And 
and either I even I, I'll either ask them tell me something great going on in your life because I do believe that joy um, is infectious and begets joy in the same way that I believe that negativity breeds negativity. And if I'm in a negative space, I don't need more negative space. I'm already cut plenty of my own. Um, so I want to know what's going well in their life um, for 30 minutes. I need them to tell me where have you hit it out of the park? I want to know because I love when women hit it out of the park. It doesn't make me jealous. I think it's the best thing in the whole wide world. Oh, um, isn't it? <laughs> I agree. But I also can say, you know what? I'm, I'm struggling. I just, I don't feel like, I mean, here's my problem. I just am not seeing it. Can you gleam some light on it? Is there, is there something that I'm saying that resonates with you as a solution? Um, because I'm just not seeing it. I'm paralyzed in wherever I am. Um, but if, let me tell you where I'm at. And sometimes just talking it out, the solution comes or somebody's like, well, have you thought about doing this? Hadn't thought about it. And then I then it get, puts me back on the path of working through with their, their idea and back going forward, I go. So, you know, the, the, the biggest part about this whole thing for women is, is you are truly better together. You, yes. you're, not, you're not an island. And um, if you want to be a woman in business, especially entrepreneurship, by definition, is lonely. Um, oh, yes, it is. But I'm telling you, it doesn't have to be lonely. Find your, find your group that, that is okay with your failure as, as well as they're okay with your success. Because hopefully you're going to have more success, but you're going to have failure. I mean, that's the best advice right there. I think if anything, and my hope for everyone listening, women, please, I hope you can exhale now take off the weight and the pressure because somewhere along our little special minds, we convince ourselves that it's all up to me. And to really, I think what you've underscored so beautifully is to really hit that upper echelon of greatness. You have to be willing to scale that mountain like at crazy cougar-like speeds. But if you find yourself where you kind of lose your footing and you slide back down, you also have to have people that can really kind of undergird you. And I love that because it makes sense. Powerful women need powerful support. You, I do. Mean, you, you can't be the car in the ditch and the tow truck at the same time. You need a tow truck. <laughs> so you do because inevitably if you're doing it you're going to get a flat tire i mean you are yeah. and so someone's got to come and do it and, yeah and, 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 and truly if you if you can it takes you it really does take you I like what you said a second of exhaling it takes you exhaling and releasing to be able to take in another breath and so you know taking in the breath of somebody else you know, if we can't breathe on our own, they give us oxygen. Um, yeah. You know, we go to help for all kinds of things. When we, you know, if we, you know, if our blood sugar doesn't work well, we go to medicine to help us with blood sugar. We go and get help. Why is women, are we afraid to get help from women? Um, mm. Why are we scared of that? Um, I, and I'm not saying throw your stuff out on, you know, every social media platform, and, but I'm telling, I'm saying curate the women that you, that you choose to do the vulnerable part with, um, curate the side that, you know, I, I joke with my friends that, that are in this group that, you know, what they see, I look, I love, I love to read. I'm a huge reader. Um, I read no self-help though. I only read fiction. I read just for oh. the joy of reading. Um, so, but you know, the whole idea of wizard of Oz and the, the, you know, the great and wonderful Oz, but really this was a small little man behind the curtain. 
And so a lot of people see the go big, go home part of me, but there's a part of me that is behind the curtain and I need to have a group of people that I can reveal that to and they will love me anyway. Because really being loved in your vulnerableness gives you strength because what it tells you is you are enough. I mean, I think you didn't say I'm gonna collect an offering for you, Amy. <laughs> you don't <laughs> preach them that I'm telling you, if, if they don't go home with anything else, oh my gosh, I hope that echoes. You have said it all. People that are the most successful, most fulfilled, most just at peace with themselves, obviously, they obviously are living for something bigger themselves, whether it's in their spiritual beliefs or this and that. So you and I both, I know, agree on that. But there is that sense of having that support. And I know I can definitely testify that because I used to have a group and I still do. It is it wasn't even the type of group that it wasn't a hangout group. It was like a 911 group. And we'll text each other and be like, look, I need help. I need prayer. This is going on. And then immediately people just jump in. And then having like a spouse, and I can definitely say for me, like that is my grounding right there. That person that can just see the egg all over your face and be like, it's okay. Let me grab the towel. Let me just wipe it off and you can live to see another day. And um, back to what you were saying about women struggling um, and not to make this like a psychology lesson, but you know, to, to address a very sensitive issue, I think it's it's really hard to be vulnerable for a lot of women because again, the message we get from societies. And I think you and I talked about this at a, a recent meeting is the message that we're supposed to be able to do it all, have it all, be it all. I think I love what you said was about the bacon. Uh, we got to break that song in the seventies. I can bring home the bacon, fry it up in a pan. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I don't sing. But, um, but yeah, so, I mean, we, we were told that that's what we needed to be, to be the modern woman. And mm. I mean, I'm as modern as they get. I mean, I'm, I'm loud. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm it. I'm modern. I mean, I, I mean, I'm not sitting home, you know, whatever, but I can't do it all. I mean, yeah. the truth of the matter is I have really a lot of, I have a big bucket of talents, but I don't have all the talents. Mm. And, um, you know, we were talking about that before we came on today. Um, you know, what makes me successful as a business owner is my employees, my team of people who, who come to work every day and basically buy into this vision of whatever I've chosen to do. And they buy into it and they do it. Um, they're valuable, beyond valuable to me because I cannot do it. I mean, I can't do it all and I'm not good at all of it. And so you got to be okay with not being good at all of it. And I mean, really be okay with not being good at all of it. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's because I'm not, I'm good at a lot of things, but I'm not good at all of it. No, and I think that's like, to me, that's the beginning of like the ultimate wisdom. And I, as a clarity coach, my, what I love to do is help people figure out what is their thing? Because I always joke with my clients. I'm like, look, you know, if you ask me to come paint your walls or plant your garden, you're going to be sorely disappointed. <laughs> but if you ask me to unpack a person, that is my superpower. I could do that in my sleep. And I think it, there's a certain confidence that comes from being able to say, okay, I'm not good at this. And I'm all right with that because the world doesn't, that's not my gift. The world won't benefit from mediocrity in that area but what is the supreme areas where I really soar and for you it's just like I, I think do you consider yourself well let me actually ask you purpose-wise and projecting for the future and especially being someone that's so ingrained to help other women where if I can be a little no, nosy where do you see that developing for yourself in the future and how 
how impactful do you think that's going to be for the women that get to experience you in that in that way? So it's funny. So I'm, I'm actually working on my, you know, and I'm not somebody who has a real big five-year plan, but I've been working on it. We were actually, I was having dinner last night with a woman and her, I mean, a woman I just truly admire. And um, I do some consulting for her and she had actually over, over dinner last night. She's like, when she, and she's a fabulous marketing person and salesperson. And, uh, and she goes, I want to market you. You need to be marketed as a consultant. You need to, that's where I yes. see. Yes. She is where, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> And again, I, I do a lot in my, so we were driving home last night. We got home around 1230 last night, but my husband and I had about an hour and a half drive because he had gone to dinner with us to meet this couple that I really admire. And, and I said, what do you think about what Patty said? I mean, do you think that's, you know, in three years I should look And my husband's like, I don't think three years, Amy, I think you need to go get your business suit skirt on and get a photo shoot and let her market you. He goes, cause you're doing it already and you're doing it for women and you're doing it for free. He goes, but you could really do it um, with purpose and you could really do it on a bigger scale. Um, again, I mean, it's a little, I mean, a lot of what I offer is, is, is bare bones business. Cause like where you, where you can talk to somebody and kind of figure them out, I can actually hear about somebody's business and the tumblers of the lock start to fall into place of where they could take that business. And it's, it's pretty instantaneous for me. I'm like, Ooh, I see where, Ooh, I, Oh, you got, I mean, and all of a sudden it kind of just weird things starts to grow pretty quickly. And um, so my husband's like, I really think that you need to make that because your businesses are doing pretty good. I mean, they, you've got a great staff. You can continue to empower that staff to continue with your vision. And, but he goes, I really think you need to call her back tomorrow and tell her Ooh. that you want to get that going. And so that's what I did. I called her this morning. And I said, I really think that I'm going to have you help. She goes, because I consult her. So here she's wanting to, you know, help market me. And I said, I think we've got to go ahead and do that. And um, because really that's what I would love to do is I'm about to be an empty nester. My two sons are at college and I've got one who's a sophomore in high school. And what I would love to do by the time that he graduates from high school is, is have a, is, is really travel and speak and, and empower women in a very different way than what a motivational I think a lot of what I have is motivating um but more my 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 passion is more geared towards you know that that business woman um yeah. but I think my story can kind of resonate you know across a couple spectrums but because I think everybody understands failure I just don't think everybody understands getting on the other side of failure so that's what I think my plan is um, which is why when we, you know, we spoke earlier this week and you're like, you should do this. And I'm like, yes. And then when you met, I'm like, I, instantly, I was like, I'm not going to, you know, let, you know, a minute. And I think you, you messaged me yesterday and I, I'm like, book me tomorrow. We're in. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so yeah, I think that's what I'm, I'm going to be focusing on is, um, taking this, um, to, to see what, to see what level I can take it to, um, because I really do, um, get personally a lot out of um watching um women that i have spoken to succeed and hit goals out of the park i mean that weirdly that's like this super amazing high to me is um, yeah. when one of the women i'm working with calls and she's like you won't believe my sales no, i mean oh god i mean and it just <laughs> um the book got published or whatever. I mean, now I love it. And so I think that is, I think that's it. There's, there's your, there's, there's the cat out of the bag. Well, look, we're excited to see that cat. It's, you know, you, you technically now are a human tow truck. 
And there's going to be a lot of women that are derailed on the side of the road. That's going to be so excited to see you coming because you're going to help to get them on path and help them. You know, I don't think things should take as long as they should, kind of like you're saying. So really giving them the strategies and insights to really move and shake. And sometimes it just means having someone that believes and can see in them what they can't see in themselves and then just pushing them on. And you're tremendous at that. And I, I don't know if you probably noticed that, but I know in the community that a lot of people look up to you and that you have always been consistently <laughs> amazing in business. And that is your superpower and gift. And I think it's great that you want to use that gift to empower other women. So with that being said, I'm going to let you have kind of like the last words and of course, tell people where they can find you. But what would be to kind of sum this up? And I, I love that go big, go home and everything you disclose about your experiences and even the, the peek under the hood you let us have into the like, hey, it's not about having it all together. And I'm, I'm a human just like anyone else, but this is how I pivot and this is how I get myself on track. What would be your final words to any woman that's heard this today? Maybe something that you didn't say or one thing you want to kind of really stake in for them. Look for opportunities. Oh, I mean, my life of success has been built on opportunities. They present themselves. Sometimes they're quiet, you know, whispery opportunities. Sometimes they're big, bigger opportunities, but look for opportunities, explore opportunities, at least get off the bench and into the game. Um, it's, it's great to be a spectator, but it's even better to play. And so that's what I would say is that if there's opportunities that you're struggling with and you know those opportunities, women, you know that these opportunities are sitting there. You just don't know whether you should take it, explore it, see what opens up. Um, my greatest blessings of my whole life, business and personal and, and everything else have been based on opportunities. And I'll end it with this last thing and I'll, just a little glimpse of- No, go for it. <laughs> so I had that tremendous failure. My business fell apart. And I didn't know what I was going to do. And um, not to get real churchy on you, but I mean, I felt like I was shattered. I felt like, yeah. I mean, I was crying out to the Lord and I'm like, you've shattered me as far as the East is from the West and I don't know what to do. And that's what, I mean, that was my call, my anger to him. And, uh, and he spoke to my soul and he says, but I do child, I know how to put you back together. Oh. The, ver the very next day at lunch, a gentleman sat next to me and asked me if I wanted to volunteer as a chaplain at the hospital when we got back to Savannah. And it was an opportunity that I sat on for two weeks that finally would not release itself for me. So I made the phone call. And the next day or two days later, I was in the hospital as a chaplain volunteering. It was volunteer gig, no pay, but I had nothing else going. So I was working that thing like it was my nine to five. Um, and in that moment of serving and in those months of serving, the Lord put me back together one piece at a time. Okay. And, and so if it wasn't for me saying yes to an opportunity, sitting at a lunch in a moment of utter shatteredness, I mean, utter shatteredness, um, I, bet. I would not have opened the macaron business because it was the confidence that was built to me as I was being healed in a hospital, my soul one piece at a time while I sat there in the, in the gap of people that were losing much bigger things, loved ones, mm -hmm. catastrophic stuff that the opportunity came about to open a macaron business because I made them for a cookie swap party. And that was an opportunity. Everything's about opportunities. I can't tell you they're about these huge plans that I've sat and, you know, lamented and caught, you know, there are opportunities that spoke to me and those opportunities 
begetted another opportunity, which begetted another opportunity. And that is really, truly what makes me successful. So find opportunities, even if they're whispers, if that opportunity doesn't let go of your soul, act on it, please act on it. That gave me chills. Oh my gosh. And for those, and I know everybody has different belief systems, so we respect and honor that. But for those that kind of have the same Christian belief system, it's essentially saying that there are no accidents. God is divine and he leads and guides even through the worst things. And wow, what a transition. Oh my gosh. So what a great note to end on. So thank you for sharing that. Um, Where can everybody stalk you? I mean, find you. So, um, I finally got an Instagram that was like, I think it's called AC Shippy. So, I mean, I, I, I think I have Ooh. an Instagram now. I don't do anything on it because I don't post to social media, but you can find me on there. Um, I do have a podcast every week called Lady Biz Wiz. Um, awesome. And it's on business. That's all it's about. So, um, and you basically get to hear me talk a whole lot, um, but we're going to start branching out and bringing other people on. But um, that's on, I think, Spotify and all the different places you can find podcasts and um we're getting to the point where we're starting to take questions. If you have ideas to help us build the next podcast. So if you have any of that, please engage there. Um, Lottie Bell's GA is an Instagram for my pecan company and blue poppy designs is Instagram for blue poppy. And, you know, love to hear from you. You can message me if you have questions, I'm happy to connect. And, um, you know, Victoria, I'm going to end this on telling you how much you inspire me as I run into you at different places and, and, and throughout the years, because we've known each other for several years now, you know, I tell you that, that there's never a lack of positivity from you. And I am drawn to people who are positive, but you are a very positive person. And it inspires me whether you understand that or not. When I walk away from an interaction with you, my cup is fuller than it was when I walked in. So thank you for being you. Oh my gosh. Oh, well, you can make me think. Well, it goes to show back what you said earlier. We need each other, don't we? Thank you. Your kindness. <laughs> all right. On that note, I hope you guys have enjoyed. I'll leave all of Amy's information. Now, be sure to place those Christmas and Thanksgiving orders. And um, <laughs> we will talk to you next time. Thanks again, Amy, for uh, being a wonderful guest. Thanks for having me, Victoria.